Well, hey, good morning. Would you go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. We're going to resume our series on 1 Peter uh, called Stand Firm, Standing Firm in the Grace that is in Christ uh, Jesus. And before we get any further, I just want to address something with you guys. You know, we were supposed to start our 1 Peter series uh, last month in February. But uh, life has been so hectic for me personally. Uh, it's just been a whirlwind. Um, and life has just kind of thrown different curveballs and screwballs. Uh, even back in December when uh, one of my close uh, mentors and personal friend, uh, Pastor Alex Michelle, passed away tragically and suddenly to getting the news that we have to move out of our home to taking care of uh, my mom and now uh, my parents are uh, living with us. You know, there's always uh, the news also with no in-person service the last three months and now we're trying to find a new place of worship. Uh, could I just tell you like since December last year in the last three months, I flew to LA uh, back and forth four times, four separate times. The first one to uh, take care of my mom when uh, uh, she had a little injury second time when when I brought them there and then I came back for our church anniversary third time when I when I brought my parents back here to LA and lastly uh, about three weeks ago was to uh, help my sister move and it's been such a whirlwind that we you know I've just been giving you guys um, messages from the past instead of resuming our first uh, Peter series but all that to say is you know I want to lead from a place of uh, vulnerability and weakness, that uh, life is not static, life is dynamic, and life happens to us. And um, so I just want to say thank you for your, uh, thank you for your uh, commitment and for your grace uh, to still do church and being a part of what God is doing here at HCC. Amen. Amen. So let's turn to our text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. I'll be reading from the NIV version. It says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, your word says that in our weakness, your grace is being made perfect. That when we are weak, you are strong. And so, Father, I pray right now that the gospel, that the word would go out like it should. We thank you, Lord, that your word does not return unto us void, but it accomplishes its purpose. And I pray right now that the word will not only come through uh, the message, but also through power and the de demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So would you turn our affections towards you, Jesus. Would you quicken our minds? Would you enlighten our, our eyes? Would you give us ears to hear the word of the Lord? And Lord, I pray for transformation. I pray for growth. I pray for 
um, change, Lord, for the sake of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. COVID, COVID-19, it's been an absolute game changer, hasn't it? Um, it's changed completely of how we do life and how we view life. It's changed how we view cleanliness with washing our hands and hand sanitizers. How many of you guys have hand sanitizers in uh, your purse or in your car? Have one around handy. It's changed how we approach learning. Now we do distance learning and uh, it's changed how we do work, working remotely and Zoom and having Zoom fatigue and just kind of being worn out by meetings all day. It's changed how we socialize with physical distancing and social distancing and uh, gathering of uh, being afraid to gather because we don't want it to be a super spreader event or we don't want to be the super spreaders. It's even changed the concept of what is safe and unsafe and a mask and quarantine and isolation. Uh, it's completely changed um, life forever as we know it. Uh, I recently uh, read this article, just a little brief one. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like some uh, scholarly article. It was a Facebook article that showed up. All right. Hashtag real talk. But, uh, you know, it, it showed uh, before and after uh, photos uh, of parenting in the pandemic. And basically they said more gray hair, weight loss, and less concern about what others think. Uh, this article talks about how working, homeschooling, and caregiving during a pandemic have many parents at their wit's end. And it takes a toll on how you feel, but also visibly, outwardly, it manifests itself on how you look. Uh, they said that chronic stress, it accelerates the development of under eye bags, which I have, <laughs> wrinkles, and indeed gray hair. Like I've noticed uh, gray hair in even my own, um, in my own life. They discussed how shuttered gyms, impossible schedules, and change priorities can mean outgrowing your pants and saying the heck with uh, a beauty uh, treatments and here's there's about five of them but I'll show you one this is probably the most drastic but take a look at this from young looking and vibrant kind of robust uh, dark hair to now two years later after the pandemic during the pandemic completely uh, white or peppered rather and the effects of the global pandemic changes forever am I right um, well, in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, Peter proposes that salvation, meaning being born again, it changes us forever. It changed the game that these being born again and being renewed, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we will never, ever be the same. Life as we know it will forever change. And... Uh, 
he starts off with First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Praise or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who caused us to be born again according to his great mercy into a hope that is undefiled, imperishable. So in other words, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it starts off with this barakat, with this praise and worship and adoration of God because he's caused us to be born again. And... Uh, from verses 3 to verse 12, it's one long sentence in the Greek. I know there's a couple sentences in the English, but it's basically a worship and adoration unto the Lord. And starting in verse 13, there are four game changers. There are four areas that we are forever changed because we've been born again. The first area is with hope that we, uh, verse 13 says, set your hope fully. Remember that? Go for broke hope that we go all in to the object of our hope. And what is the object of the Christian's hope? It is the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, before Christ, our hope was on ourselves. Our hope was in our circumstances. Our hope was in money. Our hope was in our um, work ethic. Our hope was in our accomplishments and our degrees and our diplomas and our background and our experiences. But now... That's before Christ, after Christ. No, I'm all in that one day at the sound of a trumpet and the loud shout, Christ shall return and he will restore the kingdom of God. All the wrongs in this world will be made right. All the crooked will be made straight because of the return of Jesus. And then I am all in in my hope. It's changed the game of how I hope and what I put my hope in. Secondly, in verse 15 through 16, from hope to holiness. Peter says, just as your father is holy, so you be also holy in all your conduct. So in how we live our lives, our lives, our conduct, our speech, our thought life, our time, our priorities, it is marked by the holiness of our Heavenly Father. Our hope, number one, our holiness, number two. Number three is fear. Starting verses 17 to 21, remember that? Live in reverent fear because you've been ransomed from your feudal ways inherited from your forefathers. That we now have a reverent fear of God. We understand holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that God is not just a grumpy grandpa upstairs. He's just not an absentee landlord, that God, the Holy One of Israel, the hero Israel, the Lord, the great Shema, the Lord God, He is one. And we are, we live in fear and reverence because we know we have to give an account in how we live. So that's a third area, hope, holiness, fear, and this morning, we're going to talk about the fourth game changer, which is that we've been purified so that we can have a pure love. In other words, the fourth area that changes us from the inside out and we will never be the same is this area of loving one another. And here's the main point I want to get to uh, this morning. Would you write this down? Gospel obedience to the truth results in sincere love for one another. Gospel obedience to the truth, that if you hear the gospel and you respond to the gospel with, with obedience to Jesus Christ, it will result 
that you and I would have a sincere love for one another. You can't go out into the rain without getting wet. You can't go near to a fire without getting, feeling warmth or heat. In the same way, when we've been born again and we respond to the obedience of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have results in a sincere love, not only for God, but in a sincere love for one another. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and anyone who loves is born of God. If you've been born again of God, it means that we are to love sincerely. So Peter's final exhortation here in chapter 1 of loving deeply or loving sincerely or loving purely from the heart, this is his final exhortation of of what it means to be born again since we've been purified that we love one another the gospel changes everything of our lives it completely changes us and transforms us from the inside out and because gospel obedience to the truth results in sincere love this is the main point that if you've been born again you will love purely I have three observations. The first is this. Would you write this down? We've been purified so that we can have a pure love for others. Okay. No Filipino word of the day, but we do have a lot of Ps. You've been purified. You've been cleansed. You've been sprinkled. You've been made clean by the blood of Jesus so that you and I, we can have a pure love for others. Let's read verse 22 again. Now that you have been purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. This idea of purification and being made clean, it's mentioned earlier in verse 2. Let's read that. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the what? Sanctifying work of the Spirit, the cleaning work of the Spirit, the purifying work of the Spirit, what? To be obedient to Jesus Christ with a sprinkling with His blood. So Peter, he addresses them and he says, hey guys, love one another deeply from the heart. This word deeply is also found in chapter 4 verse 8. And it speaks of the effort required for that love and the depth for one another. It's, it, it, this word deep, not only does it go in depth, but it also goes in width. That love, it takes time and love fulfills a time. And Peter expects the churches to be filled as elect exiles with people who love one another. So we've been purified by God, we've been sprinkled with His blood so that we could have a pure love. We've been made clean so that our motives will be clean to love each other. This word, this idea of purified, it goes way back in the Old Testament. If you look at Exodus chapter 19, verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and what? Consecrate them. Set them apart today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothes. 
It's also found here in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 21. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We've been freely forgiven so that we could love purely. Pure love. See, before Christ, before we gave our life to Jesus, our love was self-seeking. We love others because they, they, they can do something for us. We can gain something from them. They could help us be popular. They could help us advance in life. They could make us look cooler, pull it, put us in a higher social economic status or higher clout with friends and they have Instagram followers, whatever it may be, that it, it, it's a taking proposition. But because you've been cleansed, because you have been made free, and the grace and the love of God is so abundant and so free and so unconditional, and it makes us clean. And from that place of cleanliness, listen, now we could love one another sincerely. Does that make sense? Because we've been cleansed and we've been made pure. Now we have this pure love and we can love others not because they can do something for us not because it we can gain something from them but we can love others because god loves them you know people always ask me uh john like how do you love people like how do you love the unlovable how do you love your enemies my usual response is that we don't love with our love. We love with the love of God. Because we've been cleansed. Because, as First Peter says, we've been sprinkled. Sprinkled clean. Isaiah says, though your sins are like scarlet, yet he has made you white as snow. Because we've been made clean and we've been purified and cleansed, now we have this pure love and we can now give it to others. Another way of putting it is that we join in God's love for our enemies. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. So you ask yourself, Jesus, I'm not gonna try to manufacture or fabricate loving people. You've made me clean, you made me pure. How can I love my friend? How can I love my neighbor? How could I join in and partner with you, Jesus, in loving my neighbor? How can I partner with you in loving and forgiving my parents? Because you have freely, freely forgiven me and loved me, how can I join you in loving others? And this is the easy yoke of Jesus and the gospel. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavily laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit. And this is the gospel, not that you work and earn and fabricate and manufacture. Oh, I gotta love, I gotta love. It's like, no, I've been sprinkled clean. I received, I inhaled, I digest, I marinate 
and I'm changed forever. I've been born again. I have hope. I am ho- live in holiness. I live in the fear of God. Now I have the love of God. Now I'm going to love others and I will never be the same. This is the yoke, easy yoke of Jesus this morning. Amen. Secondly, would you write this down? Number two is a deep love for others calls for a deep commitment. A deep love for others calls for a deep commitment. Before Christ, our love was non-committal. We walk out on relationships. We quit on people when they frustrate us. We turn our back on people when they disappoint us. We would have sayings like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know what? You burned me. You crossed me once. You betrayed me. Now you're dead to me. I did love you, but I don't love you anymore. We have irreconcilable differences. We are done. But a pure love, a deep love for one another, it calls for a deep commitment. Before Christ, our love was conditional. Our love was... um, based, contingent on what people can do for us or how we feel about them or in their performance. But the gospel changes us in that we are transformed from the inside out. And because God's love is unconditional, how could I not love you unconditionally? After Christ, we're committed to love, as First Peter says, from the heart. A couple of months ago, uh, during the NFL season, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders they were, uh, had a little game-winning streak. They're pushing for the playoffs. And they, they've come to find out that one of their receivers, uh, Henry Ruggs, spent a night out in the Vegas Strip, was going, I believe, 102 miles per hour in his uh, a Lamborghini, I think, an exotic sports car. Anyway, he hits another person, uh, a woman, and the young woman dies. And Henry Ruggs, I believe it's his second year from Alabama. He's a wide receiver. He's their kind of quick, fast, explosive wide receiver. And everybody was blaming him, you know, being selfish. And how could you do this? We're on the brink of playoffs. We have this little four-game winning streak. Anyway, so they asked Derek Carr. Derek Carr, who is a Christ follower. He actually has a tattoo of Kai and Roe for Christ. Um, uh, anyways, they asked him, so what do you what do you say to Derek Hart? Have you contacted him? It's like, hey, um, and I just love the commitment, the deep love and the deep commitment that Derek Carr has for his teammate. He doesn't talk about what his teammate should do. He doesn't know how he disappointed him, but he's like, I care about Henry Ruggs as a person. Take a look at this interview. Did you have a chance to uh, talk to Henry again? No, um, honestly, with with what we were told, I just didn't know if we were able to. Um, haven't reached out. I will always be here for him. Um, that won't change, and I'll prove that over the course of time to him, um, not to anybody else. Uh, but uh, he needs people to love him right now. Um, he's probably feeling a certain type of way about himself right now, and he needs to be loved. And uh, if no one else will do it, I'll do it. Wasn't that amazing? Number three, we'll close with this. Deep love for one another requires 
ongoing effort. A deep love requires a sincere love. It, it is an ongoing effort. There's a common theme of following Jesus. There's a common theme of being a Christian. It has this time aspect that it happened one time, but it continues to happen presently. Grammatically, we call that the perfect tense. A one-time event in the past, but had its ongoing effect in the present. So for example, this idea of being saved. If you said yes to Jesus, you raise your hand, you, you recited and you follow the sinner's prayer. Yes, you are saved. You transferred later on from 1 Peter from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. right? Just like the thief on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise. One time you are saved. But being saved has an ongoing effect. And it, it has a present day implications you know philippians says work out your salvation that's a present tense verb with fear and trembling that it's something yes you've been saved but you continue to be saved and you're working to be saved yes your soul is secured yes um, you're going to heaven forever with jesus but it also means that salvation it's an ongoing thing it's done it's complete but it has an ongoing effect same thing with walking in the Spirit, right? That you walk, uh, Galatians chapter 5, walk by the Spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So in other words, you just don't say, yes, fill me with your Spirit. Okay, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I never have to do it again. Or yes, I'll, I'll walk with the Holy Spirit and I'll, I'll never have to keep doing it again because I already did it. It's like, no, it's something that happened once that we got to keep doing again and again and again. I think a better uh, translation would be keep being filled, keep walking in the Spirit, keep being saved. And it's the same thing with love. You just don't say, yeah, I love you, man. Oh, I love you, sis. I love you, bro. And, or to your wife, to your kids, I love you guys. And yes, I already said I love you one time and I don't have to, there's no more effort. There's, I already did it one time. I already said it one time and that's it. It's like, no, it's something that you work on. It's something that you pursue. It's something that is worked out every day. And as I've mentioned earlier, my parents are living with us now in this retirement season of their lives. And when they said, I do, at the altar, almost going to be uh, 50 years of being married and I see the everyday, the daily, the ongoing effort of loving one another, of communicating one another. When you're old and gray and wrinkly, that commitment to love one another. Yes, you said I do at the altar, but it also means I keep doing, I keep loving. And it's the same way with love. There's a deep love because I've been born again, because I've been sprinkled with the blood, because I obey the truth of the gospel. Now I have a deep love for one another and it's an ongoing thing. You just can't be, okay, I already loved you already. It's like, no, I'm gonna keep loving you. I'm gonna keep pursuing relationship with you. I'm gonna put in effort and I'm gonna endeavor to uh, be your brother, to be your sister. I'm committed. I'm committed to you. Amen.
Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love for each one of us. And I just pray right now for freedom for your people. I pray, God, that we would walk in the love that is in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the gospel, that it transforms us, it changes us, that we will never be the same. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, love like you love. Help us, Lord, to take on the easy yoke of you, Jesus, and live out as your people. We love you, we honor you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us next week, March 13, 10 o'clock, second floor, Kahala Mall. We're going to have, after two years, we're going to have live in-person service continually, consistently. We secured a lease right next to H&R Block. Uh, we are so looking forward that you could join us. We could worship together, hear the word of God together, hug each other, fellowship, pray together, and hear the word of God together. All right. So Lord willing, we'll see you guys there. Okay. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Oh,